See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. All right. Welcome back, all of you in podcast listener land. This is Slow Robot Agogo, show number five. This is Mal. I'm Mal, coming to you from the land of K-pop and no traffic laws. The show, or the movie we're going to be reviewing today is Roger Corman's Not of this earth. That's right. The 1957 classic, Not of this earth. Um, I've seen this a few times. And I actually, this is one of, uh, one of the movies that I do, I I like a lot. Actually, I I watch a lot of Roger Corman movies because I like B-movies. But I also have a, um, I enjoy his movies. They they're always kind of um, Ed Woodish, but not to the point that it's distracting for the most part. So I know there was a remake of this, but I am doing the 1957 classic, Not of This Earth, not the uh, I think the other one was in '98. When this one was released, it was uh, it was this was a United an Allied Artist Pictures release. It was a double bill. Uh, attached with Attack of the Crab Monsters. And I believe, let me see what their their tagline was, Terrorama, Double Horror Sensation. So, yay for that. I haven't seen Attack of the Crab Monsters. I can only assume it's insanely funny. Now, this movie opens with... Uh, the opening scene is a guy and a girl... Is sitting in a car, like kind of making out or whatever, and and the the cloud of slang that is let loose into our atmosphere from from this scene is unparalleled. Oh, you know what? In fact, I'm just gonna drop an audio clip of it in. I can't even describe how insane it is. Okay, so here is the very opening scene. You know, Roger Corman teased it up. And nails it out of the park. Scene one. So take a listen and I'll be back in about 28 seconds. I think it's time I cut out now. Don't be a drag. You know how you flip me. I'm hip. So? So leave me here. My father dug the scene. He put small round holes in your head. Well, I guess it is pretty late. I really have to get in. Good night, Pops. You're a dad. And you're a dog. Later. Later. Okay, there you have it. Believe it or not, I had to, um... This city block isn't zoned for that much slang usage. I had to seek a court injunction, and uh, we had to get... I had to get some structural um, blockage put in place where I live here to play that clip because I couldn't support that much slang from the 50s. 
Yeah. So, uh, yay for that. And, you know, one of my, I love when these old movies, when they really heap on the slang. That's just the best. Because if you want to be dated, man, well, let me tell you, Daddy-O, you're going to look square if you don't put some slang in that. And then about a week later, it's going to sound ridiculous. So, okay, so the, the very first scene, there's... There's that. The, the guy drives off, and she hops out of the car. And and the night scenes in this movie are clearly day. Like, you know how they put that filter over it? Usually they put a night filter on. Well, I'm fairly certain the night filter in this movie was zero. I don't know. Maybe they put, like, a pair of sunglasses on the lens. I don't know. It was clearly day because there was actually like flares coming off of windows and stuff like that, and long, really hard shadows, not moon shadows, noon shadows. But at one point, to let us know that it is actually night, even though it's the same, um, even though it's as bright as their day shots, the girl jumps because she hears an owl, and they they show a clip of an owl. So you go, oh, it must be night. So that's when we're introduced to the villain. Now, not of this earth, basically the villain, um, the plot is an alien from a distant planet called Devana is sent to earth, like, through, like, this transporter, which is awesome, and it's, it's, it's a, it's in the closet, like, the closet opens up, and there's, uh, the trans, the transporter, which he's sending blood back and forth. So, basically, um, Devana is dying because it's, they're, they've been waging nuclear war on each on them and their enemies have been bl- blasting nuclear war for years and years and years. So he comes down, and this guy is here to steal blood. Not like most other movies where they steal the women. He's just stealing the blood this time. So he comes and he's here to to, to take blood. And, and there's some distinct stages of this plot, which the, or of this plan, which they'll get into later. So basically, the first thing he does is he lifts up his eye. His he, they're always wearing um he's wearing these dark sunglasses. So he lifts up the sunglasses and she freezes and screams in terror and falls down. Cause he has the psychic ability to do that kind of thing. And then he opens up uh uh like a is it Halliburton? No, that's not right. Who cares? He opens up one of those metal briefcases. And uh, inside is like. Basically, it looks like a, a water bong and a walkie-talkie, but he he turns it on and it, it shows it pumping her blood out. So then he's off and he goes. The next shot we see, he's driving. Now, one of the things I did like about this movie is it, the the scene, like where their loca- their location is really cool. Um, he he comes screeching across the road in this gigantic um, Cadillac limo. One of those old ones. I want to say it's probably like a 47 or a 48. I also want to say that by today's standards, it's bigger than like a Navy vessel. So basically, it's like this gigantic land yacht. Just cool as hell, you know, straight up old school caddy. And he gets out and he goes into this doctor's office and he says, I, I'm, well, she says, do you have, the nurse says, do you have a, um, an appointment? The nurse is, um, she becomes his helper. Um, the nurse is played by Beverly Garland. Um, 
and and the Paul Birch plays the alien. I think I said that, but whatever. Okay, so she she says, "Oh, what are you here for?" And he says, "I require a blood transfusion." And then she's basically like, "Oh, well, okay, you're gonna have to go to the testing lab." And he's like, "No, I just am getting a blood transfusion." And she's like, "Well, that's not how it works." And he's like, "Blah blah blah." And then she's like, "Just sit down." And then the doctor calls him in, and and then he says, "Oh." oh you, he lifts up his glasses and and hypnotizes this doctor, saying, "I'll um, let you give me a blood test, but you could never speak of me ever, and all that stuff." So it, again, the the psychic mind hypnosis, which I, the reason I'm pointing out how much hypnosis he's using, we'll get to that a little bit later, because um, there's a point where it's okay. Just moving on. So, you know, basically, um, he the doctor gives him a transfusion. And then he says, oh, I require a nurse to give me a transfusion. So he goes out and says, I'll give you 200 bucks a week. And then she's like, well, no nurse can take that. That's like highly robbery, um, meaning it was too much. So he says, let me speak to the doctor. So he goes in, the doctor comes out and says, you must go to, you know, to this guy's uh, house to be his... You must go to Paul Johnson. That's the name. Paul Johnson is the name of the um, the alien. You must go to Paul Johnson's house, and then you're going to be, you know, his nurse. And she says, "Oh, okay, whatever." So then, next scene, you know, the Paul Johnson goes and to his house, and there's like this um, this criminal that he has as his his henchman. So the alien has has a really the the the, the mansion that they're in is really nice. I mean, this how the setting. It's really beautiful. When this when this car is coming towards the thing, it has the gigantic palm trees. I don't know whose house this is, but it's damn nice. So anyway, so they op- so now we're introduced to Jeremy Perrin, who is um, played by Jonathan Hayes. So basically, uh, he's the bad guy in this. You know, he or not not the bad guy. He's like a he's like a petty criminal, but he's hired on to be um, basically the alien's helper. So, I mean, so he, that's, um, that's great, you know. He, and he does, he, like, drives him around. He does all the usual bullshit. He makes dinner. He, he, you know, he's just there to, like, be his sidekick or whatever. So finally the nurse comes. She moves in. So he moves the nurse in so that he will, um, so she can always be at his beck and call to um to give him blood transfusions and check his temperature and stuff. All the while this do- this alien is is draining people's blood like whenever somebody comes whenever he comes into contact with anybody, he takes them into his basement and drains their blood. Um and then at night he contacts the leader of his hometown. Oh, I forgot to mention Jonathan Hayes is also Corman's um Little shop of horrors guy. I knew there was a connection. I ate my pea brain. It takes a while for this old old. I have a Commodore 64 processor, and that it takes in my brain, and it takes a while to access files. So yeah, so you know, so we, the whole the whole thing is set up basically. There's an alien sidekick, the nurse, the doctor, and the nurse's boyfriend is the uh, a, a cop. So. They got they got a couple slight storylines going on. All the while, you know, the premise is this alien is taking blood, sending it to his um, 
sending it up to his home t homeland because the their, their phases are he's going to take the blood and test it and then he's going to try it on himself. If he lives, then they're going to try and send blood back home to keep them alive. The whole, the whole process, the whole premise is they need human blood to, if it works in this guy, they're going to send it home to, to, to Devana and then they're going to try and stay alive. You know, they're, they're dying. Everyone's dying up there because of all the nukes. So basically, um, you know, and that's how it is. He's, he's, his only job is to go around stealing blood and they try to send a human back. He, tr he, 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 he's walking on the sidewalk, the alien is, and this, this Chinaman's coming towards him. And this is like a fifties Chinaman, you know, he, whatever, like, like it was a less political correct time. And he, of course the alien can speak Chinese in his hypno, hypno brain. So he hypnotizes him and says, you're coming with me in, in Chinese. And then he, um, puts him in the, th in the transporter to send him back home because if they if they can send humans back to Devana, well then they'll just farm them there and use their blood, you know. It's a very vampire-ish story. So basically, um, it's revealed that um, oh, you, what happens is the the doctor goes into town and he meets another person from Devana. There's they walk. Like this, this woman is walking very strangely behind him, and they, and they, um, she's wearing the same sunglasses because when they take their sunglasses off, they just have uh, no retinas. It's just white eyes, and and they speak telepathically. Most of the the the, the most of the aliens' um, script is voiceover. It's almost all voiceover, which I know. I think audio is is very hard to do without a lot of good equipment, and B movies don't have a lot of good equipment. So I think that's something that Corman uses quite a bit in his in his earlier stuff, because they just didn't have the right equipment. It sounded like crap, so he would just figure out a way to make it like voiceover work. So so this is mostly voiceover work, and um, she reveals that she couldn't take it anymore because everyone was dying. So her only option was to come through the the t transporter, because he's like, well, that's not correct. You're not permitted to do that. And she said, well, everyone's dying, so I split. And then he, that's where she reveals the the person, the specimen he sent back, a.k.a. the Chinaman, got got crushed. So that didn't work out so well. So he says, oh, crap. Um, he takes this girl for to the doctor's office for a blood transfusion when, when, when he's not there. Like, it's at night. And, um... And he accidentally gives her rabid canine blood that the doctor just seemed to have in his in, in his refrigerator. So she gets sick and dies. And um, at this point, the the alien's story is kind of unraveling all over the place. Um, you know, the 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 cop boyfriend knows there's people missing, and the henchmen, uh, Jeremy and the nurse, are like suspicious of this guy. They kind of think he's an alien. You know, cause he walks very strange and he talks very strange. You know, he's obviously odd. So, so the wheels are kind of coming off the cart at this point. Um, and uh, he's trying to get another specimen to send back. Like he tries to get a, a a person that parked his car 
but then a, lo- a loud horn went off and it hurt his ears, so he couldn't keep his hypno- hypnosis. And then, uh, so then he grabs, then finally he's going to send the nurse back, you know. They discover he's been killing bums and stuff in his basement. <laughs> so, here's where it gets really weird. <laughs> really wacky, I should say. Because this is towards the end, you know. He's doing okay because he's getting the blood transfusions, but the people aren't going back through the through the transporter right, um, and he's running out of time. So he's he goes after the nurse to try and... She's running away from him because she knows the secret that he's an alien and he's so he 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 pulls this test tube out and opens it up and it becomes this <clears throat> winged bat squid flying creature this is where it gets wacky and he tells this creature is supposed to go kill the doctor now he's kind of lo- tying up loose ends and you know this is going to be it so this on a string bat squid flying octopus I don't know what to call it this thing goes and kills the doctor <laughs> this is where and like any kind of rubber wacky thing like this always you go oh no so the doctor gets killed she, the nurse is running and the whole time he's she can hear him through his telepathy saying I'm not going to kill you and Oh, it's okay. Don't don't worry, you know. I'm I'm not trying to kill you. It's his kind his telepathy kind of comes and goes or his like what he can do with it. In the beginning of the movie, he t- took off his eyes and the girl just screamed and froze and fell over dead. And he told the doctor never to discuss him and any time the doctor would start to talk about him, he would get a splitting migraine and say, "I don't talk about Mr. Johnson." But if you're a, a if you're a valet or if you're the nurse it doesn't affect you and you just can run away from him so his psychic powers are very hit and miss i liken it to uh maybe luke skywalker's early training you know he couldn't really lift the rocks and then he you know he he was he was a young jedi he didn't he this alien's obviously doesn't have control of the force yet so he's chasing after her in this gigantic car and she's she gets to a payphone, and at the the moment she drops the coin, and I always I got nostalgic for the days that there was payphone payphones. <laughs> Those of us old enough to remember when there wasn't cell phones attached to everything in the world, um, payphones were a necessity. So she's trying to get a hold of her cop boyfriend, and then finally she does, and so there's two motorcycle cops on the way, and and then his, his this gigantic Cadillac is storming through this uh, park, and she's running away from him, and this this is. It, the film is obviously sped up, like, a lot. Like, she's pretty much just walking, and there's a car coming after her, but they speed it up so much it looks like, like they're sprinting, like Benny Hill style. So she he causes the motorcycle cop to crash, but there's a second one coming around. Her boyfriend's still coming. And at this point, he stops on the hill, the alien, and he, and he, he finally, his Jedi Force mind trick works and she goes oh and he goes you're going to go back and go to the teleporter and try and send yourself back because we need you so she says okay I am and she walks like a robot back to the house and he's at this point the cop is, is go, you know is attending to his crashed partner 
and she walks by him kind of and he stops and he says is that Mr. Johnson uh, and and points to a car that's obviously in a different location and she says yes that's Mr. Johnson and then she just keeps walking you know she's in a trance so he chases after him and finally the you know it's not the end scene but one of the end scenes the, or the very right before the end scene um he turns on the siren and this this hurts the guy's ears the the, the alien it hurts his ears really bad cuz he's sensitive to light and sound so she's the, the nurse is in the thing ready to transport herself he the cop is chasing after the alien finally they show you know he he hits the siren it hurts his ears he crashes the cadillac over a cliff and they show a picture of this guy burning and then she gets out of the trance and goes oh and you know, I'm so sad, and then she she gets out of the um, teleporter, and yay for that! So the alien dies, and and you know everything is fine except for all the people that have died. So they cut to the end scene, and they show a headstone, and it says, "Here lies a man not of this earth," and you go, "Oh!" And then the nurse and the cop are talking. And I'm I'm gonna play a clip of of what they said, and all the while that they're talking, you can see another man in a suit with the heavy glasses walking towards them, in the background. So although they got rid of this alien, there's still more, leaving the door open for a sequel, huh? Okay, so here is the end. Um, this was the last uh, uh, script or you know the, the the intro of the nurse and the cop talking while they were looking at his gravestone at the alien's gravestone in a way i feel sorry for him why sorry buried so far from home so far from everyone he knew i can't feel sorry for him he had no emotions as we know them it was a foreign thing coming here to destroy us. Thank God he tried too hard. <laughs> yeah. Thank God he tried too hard. Isn't that awesome? And that was it. So the two lovers leave, not noticing the man with the the, the other alien walking towards the stone. So that's the summary, the plot summary as a whole. Um, now I'm going to give my reflections or my opinions of it. I'll critique this movie as it were. It had a lot of all the perfect things that make a perfect B-movie awesome. It had slang. It had obvious day, uh, night shots that were shot in the in the day. There was one blatant boom mic sighting. Um, the, the doctor and the cop came to visit the nurse, the henchman, and the alien at the alien's mansion that nice mansion I said. and they come walking in and the cop is talking to the to the nurse in the kitchen and that boom mic lingers and bobs there for a good 10 seconds 12 seconds I mean obviously they just said screw it and that was it so they had the boom mic awesome they um they said the name of it you know not of this earth they said that like two or three times as, as soon as you hear the the title of the movie in the movie you're like done bingo one of the f i don't know one of the funniest things to me the the alien paul birch 
is clearly not the same guy through the whole movie. It's mostly him, but towards the end, the last scene or two, it's not him. And you're like, what the hell is this? So I looked it up online because, I mean, it, I don't think he's credited twice. But, well, maybe double check. What happened was he, the um, Paul Birch got into a physical altercation with um, with Roger Corman. <laughs> if you can imagine that, he got into a, it says he got into a physical altercation, and the last two scenes uh, were. Let me see who plays him. Hold on. Paul Birch walked off the film before shooting was completed after having a physical physical confrontation with Roger Corman. As a reward, as a result, Birch's remaining scenes were shot with Lyle Littell doubling for Birch. So that was hilarious to to imagine to like Roger Corman and Paul Birch throwing down. I'm like, yes. To be honest, I would love to meet Roger Corman. Uh, I actually do have, I, like I said, I held him in a very high regard because, you know, he's just awesome. I, I think his movies are awesome. He always makes money. His movies never lose money, if you can believe that. You know, he just, the, the dude just knows. He just knows how to how to run a show. So, yeah, I, I, w- I wish they would have turned the camera on the Paul Birch and Roger Corman physical confrontation. I wonder if it was like a slug match. That would have been cool. And again, halfway through uh the aliens Jedi mind tricks stopped working just like the actual actor. So that's kind of funny. All in all, very fun, very good movie. I don't remember seeing the remake of it. I'm not even sure. I can't even say it is a remake. Although, one of the funniest things I noticed is that a lot of Roger Corman stuff did, does get remade. It's like, he makes a good movie on a tiny budget, then someone says, hey, I got an idea, let's make that same movie except use a crazy amount of money. So, um, it's, a, it's a good movie, it's funny, it's fun, the scenery is really good. Um, there's three bums in there, he invites three bums to to his house for, for dinner, which of course means being in the basement and um, getting the blood drained out of him. And he's cooking all these guys in in, in, the, in his oven downstairs, you know. The, the, the hired henchman, or petty, petty crook or whatever, you know, he's hilarious. He's a pretty good actor, and he's, and he's just hamming it up so bad, you know. And overall, it just, it's well shot. It's a funny movie, you know. I think it's included in a lot of those, um, a lot of the the the, the fifty packs, you know, uh, Corman's classics and stuff like that. I mean, I I know he released it in his Corman collection. Like what I've know, like he's been releasing. Roger Corman has been releasing like remastered versions of a lot of his stuff. You know, I have the Death Race from him. This one I just have as a regular buy. I mean, just one of those four ninety nine DVDs. I would advise you buy it if you're going to plop down three or four bucks or if you can see it in one of those, you know, ten packs. Just, you know, spend the eight bucks and get the ten movies. You won't be disappointed. This one is actually very good. Um, I'm not saying it needs to be the the remast, remastered Blu-ray version, but if you can find it for a few bucks, I would definitely recommend buying it. It's uh, It's got it all. 
you know, with the cliffhanger ending that there may be another one. So, all right. That's all I have for this one. I hope this one came out a little bit better. I wasn't too thrilled with how the um, Radar Men from the Moon sounded. I posted it and I re-listened to it and I was like, I don't know, man. I didn't sound into it. So I apologize for that. I don't know why it came across clunkier sounding than it did in my head. And that's sad. So please make sure you check out bunchofdorks.com for a semi-weekly funny um, room full of idiots talking. Make sure you check out my travel blog at kimchiagogo.wordpress.com. And, of course, please make sure you check out Slow Robot Agogo at slowrobotagogo.wordpress.com. I'm going to probably try to establish an iTunes link via FeedBurner for the Slow Robot in the next couple of shows here. I wanted to get maybe somewhere between 5 and 10 and then try to see if I can submit. Because um, I know the world needs another movie review podcast. So, all right. Uh, Thank you for listening. I look forward to reading your comments, and I hope you all enjoy the wonder that is Roger Corman's Not of This Earth. Thank God he tried too hard. In a way, I feel sorry for him. Why sorry? Buried so far from home, so far from everyone he knew. I can't feel sorry for him. He had no emotions as we know them. It was a foreign thing coming here to destroy us. Thank God he tried too hard.